Welcome back to the Pearls and Pearls podcast. I'm your host, Peter Kay. In today's episode, I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Tasha. She is a content creator who shares her debt-free journey via her Instagram page. She is going to be sharing with us how she was able to clear over £10,000 worth of debt within the last year and how she was able to get on the property ladder via a scheme, which we'll get into later today. So we're going to be talking about all things finance and her finance journey so far. So stay tuned as we get into today's episode. Hi, Tasha. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, Peter. Really nice to meet you as well. Uh, thank you for having me. How was your day? How has the week been? It's been really good. It's been quite a relaxed Friday today. I can't complain. Just chilled and really just kind of set the day easy. What about you? Yeah, I've uh, been working uh, all week, went to the office a couple of times this week and the rest working from home still. So we're kind of still in the process of gradually going back and partially working from home at the moment. So uh, I actually like that mix, to be honest. <laughs> nice. I think sometimes it's probably good to get out and just not be at home because yeah. sometimes it's like you're at home and it's work and it just kind of mixes into one big thing. It does, actually. It, sometimes you don't realise that it kind of slots kind of into one into your life (laughs) yeah so I guess it's good to kind of have a bit more of that balance yeah not not to have to travel all the time as well I guess that's a big big bonus yeah definitely we've actually moved locations as well um office locations okay um initially it was really easy uh to get to the city from where I live and uh yeah now we've kind of moved a little bit further away which has added about call it 40 minutes onto my journey onto my commute oh okay that that is a bit that is a bit that is significant yeah wow okay so I guess it's great to have that balance between working from home and going into the office then definitely okay great well today we're going to be speaking about your finance journey so speaking about how you're able to clear over ten thousand pounds worth of debt and also purchase a property during the pandemic so before we kind of get into that something I always like to find out from people is what were some of the lessons you learned about finances growing up because I really believe that some of the lessons that we learn or lack of lessons <laughs> are quite pivotal to how we end up managing managing our finances, you know, as we get into our teens and adulthood. So what was it like for you growing up in terms of lessons you learned on finances? Yes, I mean, for me, it's been, um, I think every culture kind of has their own way of dealing with finances. Uh, I definitely think in a community that I'm from, um, you often hear, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard that a lot of times. Kind of money is scarce. Um, You know, you, you see family members may even work in free jobs just for money, just to make ends meet and then still not having enough. So for me, I've always seen money as um, it's very hard to get by. And, you know, once you got it, you know, you will lose it. Mm. Um, And yeah, just very much been brought up, you know, do well at school, get a good job, um, you know, in your nine to five, but, you know, never been taught about, you know, multiple streams of income and those kind of things. But yeah, very much, um, yeah, the usual, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and just that money scarcity mindset and also seeing family members uh, kind of lose a property, like having property repossessed and things like that. Yeah, so for me, finances, it's always kind of been a little bit daunting, really. Mm, I can imagine. That's the thing, because there's such a highlight on getting on the property ladder. But the side that people do not speak about is once you get onto the property ladder and, you know, maybe your circumstances change or you get a property that you can't actually afford in real time, and then yes. you end up losing your property. You know, that's the side. And it's actually very common repossessions. Obviously, nobody speaks about that side. Yes. <laughs> no, wow. that, 
right about that. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, from a quite a young age, uh, I'll tell you more in a bit about that as well. Um, you know, my relationship with money has not been the greatest uh, from quite a young age. Um, and I just feel as well, like I didn't really have the greatest examples, you know, and less mm. family members and, you know, people I've learned from, including my parents, you know, they didn't necessarily know better um, either. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of handed down from generations, isn't it? So, definitely. you know, they know better, they can't teach you either. So I definitely do not look at them on point fingers and say, oh, you know, you didn't teach me about finances. Um, but it's just refreshing to see, um, you know, kind of in recent years, you know, that it seems like there's an awakening when it comes to finances. Um, I totally agree with you on that, especially within yeah. the Black community. I do feel like, well, some aspects, some Black communities, I feel like especially in Caribbean communities, there's not so much knowledge in some families on like how to manage finances, or sometimes the knowledge is there, but it's not something that's passed down. You know, the yeah. work ethic might be passed down, but not necessarily how do I acquire wealth? How do I, how should I actually be managing my finances? A lot of the time it's just like save, save, save. You know, a lot of people, sometimes that's all you do learn, which is great. Yeah. But of course, there are other ways of building wealth besides from saving. So I think sometimes, like you said, it is that lack of knowledge and you can't pass what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That I totally agree um, with you on that. Yeah, definitely in the Caribbean community. I mean, that, that's kind of my background. Um, I, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, totally understand that. It's just very much, um, yeah, you just see, you know, maybe lots of single parent homes as well, you know, struggling. Yeah. Um, often it's not about looking beyond, you know, um, affording school uniforms, you know, putting food on the table, you know, and things like that. So sometimes even if you have dreams and aspirations, you know, there seems to be other things you know, obviously at the time uh, have more priority, you know, such as your Definitely. children. You yeah, know. I think for a lot of people, it's more survival mode. It's that focus exactly. on surviving, just having the yeah. bare essentials. And again, when you're in survival mode, you're not really thinking about, you know, how can I build beyond where I'm at? You're just thinking about really making sure your bills are paid on time, you know, that yeah. you've got a roof over your head. So I guess when you are in that situation, it's quite difficult to think outside of that. No, no, definitely. And I do think as well, you know, from our communities as well, no matter how much you're struggling here, you know, you want to help maybe your family back home as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also another strain, you know, that kind of can cause, uh, you know, money anxiety and even money problems as well. Definitely. But talk about it. And I think that's a big thing as well. You know, in more recent years, it seems like we're more talking more about finances before. For example, if I would ask my mum as a child, you know, what do you actually earn? I would just be looked at with, you know, <laughs> kind of a bit like rolling eyes or, you know, you know, that look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's just something you wouldn't, you know, you couldn't ask. And funny, you know, looking back, I find it quite fascinating that as a child, I actually asked that. And I just wonder why I even asked that, you know, even if she would answer me, what would I have done? What would have been different if I would have known? You know what I mean? So, yeah. One thing I really like that you mentioned actually is sometimes that responsibility of having family back home. And I know for a lot of people, especially people that I've coached, I've seen that sometimes people even get into debt because they're helping family, but they actually can't even help themselves at that moment in time. And I guess sometimes it is the the way people perceive, you know, you live in the UK, you live in London, so they assume that, you know, you, you've got money, but sometimes you're struggling more than the person back home, you yeah. know, and I do see that for a lot of people, there is that stress, that is that, you know, responsibility of looking after maybe parents that are back home or, you know, siblings, and sometimes that can put a strain on people financially. 
absolutely you know and and then again where it comes in we don't speak about it enough mm-hmm. um, we feel like we can't say anything because it's seen as well you live in the UK yeah so you, you should have your finances together you have money you know <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes you know I speak about this quite often that we, we can't really compare the UK you know with maybe some of our Caribbean counterparts you know um Obviously, here we've got a social security system and everything. But if you look at the list of bills we have in the UK compared to in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, I'm not now talking about, you know, very impoverished, um, maybe places in the Caribbean, but I'm just speaking about, you know, just regular people that have their jobs or have their businesses and things. I'm sure if we would put side to side what bills come out on a monthly basis, ours would be much longer. 100%. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things. I remember what coming here, I came to the UK when I was seven. And some of the things that we pay for here, it's like, what? Council tax, TV yeah. license. It's like they just find all different kinds of things for you to pay for, especially the, the council tax for me is the biggest scam because mm-hmm. every year it increases, but I don't see anything changing in my borough. Like the bin bags are scarce. And I'm just thinking, yeah. what are you actually increasing this for? Because I cannot see the changes. No, like you said, that's a really, really good point, actually. Some of yeah. the things that we do have to pay for is a lot different. And even when you think about, you know, sometimes support and community, a lot of the times when you're back home, you might have your grandma or family friends that can look after your children. I mean, if we start talking about childcare, that's a whole other cost that's here whole- in comparison to back home. Yeah. So, no, that's yeah. definitely another thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's um, yeah, good sometimes to look at those comparisons. And, you know, when I say that, I don't mean that, you know, it's easier there. I just mean it's different. Mm-hmm. They're you know, challenging, but in different ways. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your experience, you know, at starting off in your finances and any, any bad habits that you may have had, which led you to getting into debt. What would you say were some of the contributors of that? Yes, I think for me, um, the very first time I actually took a loan out uh, was when I was 18. So as okay. soon as I was uh, as soon as I was an adult and I could sign the dotted line off, you know, Natasha went to get a loan. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, I can't even remember what it was for anymore. Um, wow. I to, yeah, I need to actually ask my um, old primary, well, secondary school friend. Because um, the, the funny thing is, I might not have said this, but I've uh, partially grown up in Amsterdam as well in the Netherlands so I actually went to oh, school nice. there okay. yeah yeah I still have contact with um that friend you know that knows that I took out my loan at 18 because I think we both went together if I vaguely remember I'm actually going to ask her if she remembers you know why did we actually take out a loan I really wow. can't remember it must be like for clothes or just something stupid you know and- it must have been if you can't remember it <laughs> yeah, exactly. and um in a way that was the start of um me being in like it seems like forever in revolving debt it seems Mm. like from the time I was 18 and I took that loan out I've never really been fully you know debt free um there's been times where financial uh my financial situation have, have been better than others um but I can only truly say that from that age so we're talking about two decades maybe even a bit longer now um I've just kind of been in and out of debt. There was one time that I did go into an IVA okay. um, for, my, for my debt. And 
And for anyone that doesn't know what that means, that's an involuntary arrangement. Yeah, yeah. I'm just about to say. Involuntary <laughs> <laughs> individual. Yeah, so an IVA. Um, I did that in 2010 and it lasted for five years. Okay. Um, I wasn't actually forced into this. Um, I just knew that my financial situation was, you know, spiraling out of control for all those years. So at that point, did you just have one, you know, creditor that you owed or did you have more than one debt? No, I had multiple creditors uh, that okay. I owed. Yeah, and I, I spoke to a, a cousin about it, actually, and she introduced me to the company that does um, indiv- individual voluntary arrangements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, even though I was not being chased for any of the debts, you know, I didn't have any red letters, no bailiffs and everything, but I think it, it was just affecting me personally. I was depressed. I was mm-hmm. feeling down. I was feeling like, you know, I was just working every day and it was just to pay, pay back, pay you back. know, yeah. already spent. So I thought, let me do something about it. So even though there was no pressure yet, I thought, let me do something about it. So I, I did that. Um, one thing I can say about being an IVA, it doesn't necessarily teach you how to manage your finances and to stay debt free beyond that IVA. Mm. So what actually happened is the uh, for the five years, um, you know, it was very strict. You know, I had to show them my pay slips every month. I had, to, you know, income and expenses. It was actually really strict. Um, if there was anything that differed uh, from the budget I provided them with, I had to explain myself, you know. Wow. So it was really, um, it was actually quite tough, but it was something that was needed. Mm-hmm. But I still feel that I didn't learn from it. It was as if I was answering to, you know, an authority or to a teacher. It was, you know, those five years I was just, you know, proving you have to be accountable but yeah, not necessarily exactly. learning anything during that yeah, time that's what I mean. yeah mm, so you know as kind of naturally um maybe not so much so now as I get older but you know naturally I've been mostly a people pleaser during my life as well so for me it was just about you know keeping them happy um but not really learning how to manage my finances so what actually happened I cleared it and I was debt free it wasn't much longer after maybe a year or so that I started trickling right back into debt again, the credit wow. card come back out again. And, um, you know, when I say the credit card started to come back out again, if you come to my house, you know, you won't see any Louis Vuitton bags or Gucci belts or, you know, those kind of things. It's not that I was spending on designer clothes or, you know, lavishly just spending stupid. It would just be um, being impatient, for example, you know, holiday to go on holiday. Um, also, as I'm a single mom myself, you know, I've, I've got, you know, two kids. I mean, they're adults now. My daughter's 18. She's just about to go off to uni. My son okay. just, yeah, my son just turned 17. But for many years, um, you know, and still really, uh, you know, I'm still responsible for them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was just also you know, maybe their friends, you know, would have certain things. And, I, you know, I would feel quite guilty mm. that I didn't provide them with that family, strong family unit, two-parent family unit. So sometimes mm. I would go out and buy things for them, take them on holiday, um, you know, spending on my credit card, you know, also as a way of feeling guilty because there was that kind of void, yeah. you know, just, Something missing and I wanted them to just feel better and not feel like they're losing out because you know they're in a single parent home um you know so yeah that was 
one way, you know, one of my bad habits, also not budgeting, just literally, um, and I think especially when the kind of the tapping of, you know, being able to tap your card. Mm-hmm. That tap has set a lot of us up. <laughs> it has. Yeah. So, you know, not budgeting, not um, kind of meal planning, not writing a shopping list uh, and just literally, yeah, just swiping your card and not really knowing, not telling your money what to do. So the money would come in. And, you know, the direct debits would come out. It would literally feel like a battlefield. Like, you know, my money would come in, the soldiers would come in and shoot my account. <laughs> <laughs> and before you know it, everyone, all the soldiers, everything's dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, so it, it was literally just, you know, a poor money mindset and, you know, looking at other people like, oh, you know, they're okay. You know, those people, they're okay. I can't, I can't do that. So it was... Um, yeah, just, just, you know, all the things I've kind of started doing uh, now, um, I didn't do. I think I've also been very much someone that's had suffered from the fear of losing out. Mm. So, uh, you know, there's been often where I would sign up to things that cost money, but, you know, I wouldn't actually do anything with it. And those things still had to be paid back at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Just kind of not, you know, spending money before it was actually there. Uh, so if I know, for example, there's going to maybe be, uh, you know, a small windfall at some point, uh, maybe three months down the line, I would already have spent it in my head. Like, oh, because you know, I, it's going to come later. Yeah. Or I would spend now on things, use my overdraft and say, well, I'm going to put it back anyway, because that money's coming. Mm. But, you know, I didn't because I didn't plan, you know, sometimes there were unexpected emergencies and with, without an emergency fund you know, that would then kind of get me further into debt. Mm, that's really interesting. At your highest, what was the highest amount of debt that you had at one given time? Just over £30,000. And that was when I went into the IBA. Wow. So that was more than the recent uh, figures. <laughs> okay. We, probably, yeah, you'll ask me about. But um, yeah, it, when I went into the IBA, it was that. Um, I mean, when you go into an IBA, you over a certain amounts but you know depending on your income you don't necessarily pay that whole amount back you know it's kind of it runs for five years you pay back as much and what you agree with that with the company but um yeah that was the amount that I was in debt um, wow. so quite a bit and I think what the hard when I look back the hardest thing about that is that is a big sum of money of unsecured debt so it wasn't even you know I've got had nothing to show for it. It was just mm-hmm. like, I've got this debt, but what have I got to show for it? And do you know what? That is such a common thing. Like, even if anyone listening right now, you're probably thinking 30,000, that's so much money. I could have done X, Y, and Z with it, but it's very easy to get to that point. Oh, so yeah. There's sometimes people have multiple credit cards, or you take out a loan here, or it's a combination of, you know, loans and family members you also owe as well overdrafts yeah. and again the higher your limit is the easier it is for you to wrap this set up when you're not having those things in place so as yeah. much as it sounds a lot I can imagine it's very very easy to get to that point yeah no definitely and as I said you know it wasn't kind of uh, designer clothes and stuff like that you know maybe sometimes holidays that I shouldn't have gone on um but yeah I do have family abroad as well and everything um and this certain amount this certain times that the kids were on holiday from school so sometimes whether I liked it or not, it was just like, okay, I've got to go now or wait for the next school holiday, you know? So mm-hmm. 
<laughs> that instant gratification and you know what I really like that you mentioned was that guilt of you know being a single parent and you want to kind of kind of make up for what you feel you've not been able to give your children and a lot of single parents go through the same thing I remember I was watching this program I can't what it's called and there was um, another single mom on the show too and she'd gotten herself into a lot of debt you know she couldn't help herself but she'd always be buying things for her children buying things for herself and for her shopping made her feel better and she didn't spend money on like super expensive things but again she was always buying so again mm-hmm. it does add up but for her it was also from that guilt that she felt like she always needs to kind of make up for what she feels her children didn't have so I'm yes. sure that you aren't the only person going through this there's so many other parents I can probably relate to that too absolutely so fast forward a little bit. So you paid off your first IBA and then you said after that point, you slowly started getting back into debt. So is that the current debt that you're working to clearing now? Yeah, I mean, that kind of accumulated over some time. Um, I was trying to be careful because, you know, that first time I was debt free after the IBA, it did really feel good. Mm. Um, I, I managed to actually take the kids uh, to Canada and not use a credit card to do that you know so nice you're good you know and I'm uh, sure it felt really liberating yeah at that point yeah so in a way I've been very disappointed in myself that I managed to get back into debt after knowing what it feels like to be mm-hmm. debt free you know so um the you know the kind of the current debt that's um I'm clearing um initially was just over 17,000 pounds but that didn't okay. include an overdraft so you know you can just call it I was 20 grand in debt you know including the overdraft mm. um you know so that was just 10 grand away from the previous debt and I just thought you wow. know so- I didn't I didn't even connect that but now yeah you're right yeah I didn't clock it at first but thinking about it now um I, I think I started to think to myself, mm, you know, do you really want to go through all that again? Mm. At what point did you realise the numbers? Because something I've realised with a lot of people that are in debt, they don't realise how much it is. Because yeah. especially if you owe multiple, you know, creditors, sometimes you think, oh, I just owe a thousand here. But then, you know, when you actually number crunch and you add everything up, that's when you really realise, oh my gosh, you know, mm. this is actually what the real number is. Funny thing is, for many years, I dance even write down what the amount was I would just kind of have a rough indication in my head mm, and sometimes our head is deceiving <laughs> yeah exactly or you would or sometimes I would be like oh oh that credit card's just 500 so I'm not going to add that because I'll pay that back you know mm, yeah because <laughs> deep yeah. down you don't want to face the reality yeah <laughs> it's just too it's too it seems too big once yeah. you get to that point yeah so it's actually not um until kind of you know, in the last year or so, you know, kind of when the pandemic came about, that is actually when um, I started working from home rather than in the office. Mm-hmm. So there was no rushing around, commuting, you know, coming home, cooking for the kids. You know, I had more time to think yeah. and to evaluate my life. And it was at that point that I started writing down, you know, what do I actually owe? And I just got literally old-fashioned pen and paper and very often Can't go I still, wrong yeah and very often I still use pen and paper by the way um there's something there's a there's power in writing it down yourself for some mm. reason fixing your head more um so it was yeah during the pandemic that I wrote down what the amount of debt was 
And, um, you know, I started watching a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I, I must say, I laugh at myself sometimes what I put in the search bar on the YouTube. <laughs> Expose yourself. What were you typing? <laughs> yeah, um, so in the search bar, I actually um, typed uh, budgeting for lazy people. You know, people <laughs> you know yeah. the word budgeting sometimes can spark the fear of um, limiting yourself. Yeah. You know, um, so sometimes you think, oh, if I budget, I can't do anything, you know? So I, I literally did those kind of searches and I started coming across quite a few videos. So once I had written down the amount, um, I started doing something really easy, really. It was literally just you know, making a list of my income, making a list of my direct debits, you know, making a list of what I'm going to be spending on shopping. And luckily, well, you can't really say luckily during the pandemic because it's been a challenging time for most of us. But mm. I didn't have tube fares and, you know, lunches to pay for and everything. I started realising there was a bit more disposable income left because yeah. certain expenses had fallen away. You know, everything was closed, no eating out, no Even dining if out. if you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly, no holidays, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was. That's how I kind of started. Um, it, it was just, just a little sketch, and it was very straightforward. I would just make a list of everything: the ink, what's coming in, what's going out, and then knowing what you know the shopping is, and and, and everything like that. And I would just try. Then, I would look at how many days there are in the month, and I would divide whatever was left by the amount of days. And then I would, yeah. and then I started making a game of like no spend days because the less I would spend, I would have more left for the next day. So say every day I had a tenner, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the for that month. If I didn't spend for three days, that means there was thirty on day yeah. three. So it it started out like that, very vague. You know, it wasn't straight away as soon as the pandemic hit that you know I was a proper proper budgeter or anything. <laughs> Bit of a lazy way of doing it, but I think I had to work on my mindset first before I could really get into proper budgeting and other things that I've done. Mm. You know, I had to work on my mindset first, and I needed to get into that gradually. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I, kind of where I started. So it's really the pandemic that um, just kind of you know because everything was closed and life was just. Uh, a bit more slower paced than it usually is it just gave me the chance to finally you know face my finances. face the reality mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it wasn't easy but it was very much needed otherwise I was on my way back to the same depth as I'd you know I'd been in before wow but do you know I feel like the pandemic for a lot of people especially when it comes to finances it was definitely a wake-up call for a lot of people you yes. know to realize that you actually do need to manage your money better or you need to really reassess what you're actually doing because mm. you know for many people it could have been an opportunity to save because you know you're not going you're not traveling to work you should be able to but again sometimes we kind of find other ways to waste our money so you're at home but you're still buying clothes you're yeah. at home but instead of cooking you're, you're ordering out every single day <laughs> mm. so I think you know like you said working on your mindset was something you needed to do and for a lot of people, that's the area they neglect. You know, it's one thing to download a budgeting app or to even get a coach. But if you don't actually start working on the way that you think and see money, you're always going to get yourself back into the same position. And yeah. I do feel like that's something that sometimes we neglect. You just think, oh, I just need to clear my debt. Oh, I just need to save. 
until you change the way you actually think about money and the systems you have in place, you're going to get back to the same position. Exactly. That's that. Yeah, that's um, what happened to me the first time around. I didn't work on my mindset. I was working on paying off the debt to loan, but I didn't have a plan what I would do once the debt was gone. So mm. yeah, I had to work on my mindset first. And that's why I gradually just went in in a, in a bit of a lazy way. But, you know, I was educating myself by watching YouTube videos, by um you know, going through Instagram pages such as, you know, yours and, um, you know, other Instagram pages. Um, and yeah, just reading, uh, had more time to listen to books on Audible or actually read an actual book, you know, mm. because working from home just gave me more time on my hands. Um, yeah, there was no commute, of course. So after work, I could just, you know, read a book if I wanted to. Yeah. So, so, so what actually happened first was just really a bit in a you know more lazy way budgeting but in the meantime I was also educating myself and just um you know listening to podcasts and seeing what other people that have been in this similar or same position as me have done Mm. learning from them that that was really important when it came to my mindset change or shift and was there any other steps that you took during that time to be able to clear that amount amount of debt? Like, did you have an intentional number? Like each month, I'm going to try to clear this amount. Or were you just kind of working on your budgeting and that kind of helped you to clear that much <laughs> within that time? You know what it is? I think when I came across um, credit card repayment calculators, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I put the amount in that I owed. Uh, I had multiple credit cards, so I you know, kind of plugged the, the numbers in that I owed on each card mm-hmm. and the interest. And, I, you know, I would just have a direct debit for the minimum amount. So I plugged in that that's what I was paying. And when I saw that one of my credit cards would take over 20 years to repay. Oh, and, my gosh. And the interest that would, you know, I would have to pay on that. I just thought, no, 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 this is this needs wow. to go possible. You know, I, I just thought, you know, I can't do that. That's just throwing money away. So it, mm-hmm. it just, you know, something that you might have bought for, you know, a grand or multiple things that have added up to a grand, they're going to end up costing me two grand. I just thought, no, that's stupid. Yeah. So it was more about, um, you know, I there was a uh, YouTube video that I came across by Mama Furfa on. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she was just kind of explaining, you know, p- paying off that minimum amount every time. You, actually, you're not moving forward. You know, it, it, I didn't realise before, but there was one credit card I had that I think I was paying about £100 a month as minimum payment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a few days after, you would see the interest being charged. And when I realised, actually, that £100 that I'm thinking I'm paying, I'm only paying about 30 really, because the rest is interest wow you know so it was before I was oblivious to it I would just see it as well I'm paying mm-hmm. you know I'm paying so, something I'm paying something so at some point it will be gone but yeah th- that was just a wake-up call for me and I just um yeah I just didn't want to pay so much interest and I didn't want it to take another 20 years for that to be paid off wow. so um, for me it was more about increasing the overpayments that I was doing Mm-hmm. Uh, I chose to use the snowball method. Okay, in, nice. In with so you know, just no more method is you know you write down um, your debts from smallest to large, you know, regardless of the interest that's being charged on mm-hmm. each debt. 
and you just tackle the smallest first and then you tackle the second smallest you know so it was so refreshing the first card was literally only 500 pounds but once I'd cleared that and I cut it up I cut the credit card up and it, and it was gone and you know the list I had of it was um, six credit cards as that was including a store card so six credit cards I had um, and a loan and I think you know one other thing and that list was so long and because I was paying the smallest to the largest it was so nice to tick off you know every now and again just to tick things off and a list because yeah. that way you you can actually see I'm actually getting somewhere I'm yeah making progress yeah exactly so I, I definitely needed that momentum to keep going by paying off the smallest to the largest but then when I kind of got to a bit kind of the middle um, I think I kind of uh, hit a bit of a brick wall because obviously the amounts are now larger that you need to start paying back um, mm. and you don't get those instant wins of clearing another debt because yeah. another credit card up you know so it, it took a bit longer and I started to get a little bit impatient mm. but, um, but luckily I've, I've managed to keep myself busy um you know kind of I started a few uh, side hustles you know so that kind of keeps me occupied not to think about it and just just literally smash it I think um the way I went about it is a bit extreme it's not for everyone I literally denied myself of everything over the last year and a bit Mm -hmm. it became to the point where I wasn't doing my nails not my eyebrows I know these places have been closed as well but there were times where sometimes they would reopen yeah again but it was like in a way it was like I was punishing myself for being in debt again so mm. I denied myself of absolutely everything I didn't buy nothing myself didn't do anything um and I, I realized you know a few months down the line I did realize Tash this is unsustainable yeah you do need even if it's five pound a week you need to put that away for fun money mm. you know so so what I'm saying is if ever, if anyone would kind of um, you know hear anything that I'm saying that interests them or they want to give that a go, um, you know not everyone <laughs> you know it's not everyone's cup of tea to totally deny yourself of everything. I literally did nothing fun, but then again it was a bit easier to do that during the pandemic. Yeah, that you know there were times where you couldn't do nothing anyway. You know, so um, I would say one thing I have learned from it. Yes, it was it's been great to put my head down and, you know, literally not buy anything. Um, but in the real world, it's not going to always be a straightforward. But yeah, I'm glad that I did because that's why I managed to pay back so much. And then the side hustles have helped as well. Nice. But that is a really good point, because, again, like you said, the sustainability of it, especially if it's going to take you maybe a few years to clear your debt. You don't want to set yourself up to get back into more debt because you just feel like, oh, this is so long. What's the point? So I yeah. think it's good to kind of set yourself an amount. What I like to call it in my budget is the treat me budget. So yeah. each month when I do my budget, me and my husband, we allocate ourselves an amount for ourselves that we can just treat ourselves to. And it's important yeah. to have, even if all you can afford is 20 pounds, treat yourself with that 20 pounds, but definitely set something aside for yourself. I think that's really important as well. Yeah. And I think now more than ever, it's so easy with all these kind of app-based banks, you know, like Monzo, Starling, mm-hmm. that within, 
the your account you can actually create various pots for things definitely I've definitely made my pots as well I've got my travel pot my emergency fund fun money personal development I think I've become a bit of a potaholic at this point (laughs) but it is nice you know to kind of like separate things because sometimes you might be like oh I'm saving but you've just got everything in one savings account I definitely say when you separate things it it brings a lot more clarity and you know okay this is exactly for this etc so yeah utilize those if yeah. you've got access to that, that would be really helpful, yeah, I'm sure. No, definitely. And, and like you said, with the pots as well, um, if, for example, there's a particular time frame you need to save that money in, you can also then prioritise which pot you need to be adding to, you know, more, you know. Definitely. And you can even round up your purchases. That's what I've done for my personal development pot. So even sometimes just like a couple pennies, it really does add up. You can actually yeah. see the difference. And it's like, wow, okay. So yeah. even sometimes I think with money, we have this idea, oh, it's just one pound, it's nothing. But if you're doing one pound every day, that's compounding. So if yeah. you even do the same with your purchases, you're going to actually realise, wow, I'm actually, you know, adding to this pot. So that's definitely something to think about too. No, definitely. Okay, let's fast forward a little bit to what was your experience like purchasing your property? Like what was the journey like that for you? Yes, yeah, so for me... It was actually fairly straightforward, more straightforward enough thought as it um, was a council flat that I bought. So from the local authority, Mm -hmm. Um, the flat that I live in, I must say, was council. Then it was taken over by a housing association. But because because of that, I had something called preserved right to buy. Nice. You know, because it was council before and, you know, they took over the housing association. So I think um, with that, I want to say if you live in a property that previously was council and some way down the line, a housing association has taken over. If you are looking to buy, you know, go and, you know, go and investigate because you might still have preserved right to buy because you've got the right to buy, obviously, and the right to acquire normally mm-hmm. for housing associations. Um, but yeah, if it's something you want to do, do check it out because I literally still had the same rights as if I was a council tenant. Nice, that's really yeah. good. See, that's the thing with knowledge, you know, if you don't know sometimes you can even miss out on opportunities. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, when it comes to um owning property, uh, as I said, um I did grow up, you know, quite a few years, about 16 years I was living in the Netherlands in Holland. Um and in Europe there there weren't maybe now a bit more, but in Europe in particular they're not as hot on buying property necessarily as we are in the UK. In the UK, it's really a thing, you know, owning your property. Mm-hmm. Um, when I grew up, you know, renting, that, that was just normal. You know, people weren't necessarily buying their properties. You know, many years later, a lot has changed. I do still have contact with people there and, you know, more and more people do own now. But it was actually, you know, very much, you know, a British thing, you know, if, if we compare it to other European countries. Um, you know, so for, yeah, buying a property for me, as I said, it was quite straightforward, but I didn't have knowledge really about buying properties. Um, I associated buying a property with, uh, oh, I'm going to need a deposit. So, yeah, I can't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I've got so much debt, so there's no point even thinking about buying it. And then also a bit of fear um, of that responsibility of having a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a bit of fear that you know once you have got that mortgage if something happens with your job or you, you get sick and especially if you're buying a property and you're solely responsible for it 
yeah you know that can be quite scary too because you're making all these decisions life-changing decisions by yourself this was another thing that is uh, as a result of the pandemic and having more time to reevaluate my life I don't think if it was for the pandemic I don't even think I would have bought my property I think it's because I had time to research things mm. you know um I was watching another YouTube channel that I found and it was dedicated to right to buy a property so I learned so much from there you know about some kind of flats you have um they, they call it decking access so you know, you've got maybe a council flat that say eight floors um, high, eight stories high. And, you know, when you kind of get out of the lift, all the kind of flats are next to each other. And I didn't realise that, you know, that's decking access. And very often mortgage providers don't like to borrow you the, um, the, the money to purchase. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, luckily, my, uh, my property doesn't have decking access, but yeah. Maybe Google it if you're, you know, want to know a bit more about that. But um, yeah, it it was quite straightforward because number one, contrary to what I thought, I didn't need a deposit because the discount that you get, oh nice, actually um, is seen as a deposit because you've obviously got the market value of your property, mm-hmm. then you get a discount depending on how many years you've been in the property, and you know the bank just sees it as well. This is the market value this is you know this is the discount this is your deposit so you know I thought I kind of kicked myself a bit in the head because I just thought I could have done this a long time ago wow I didn't know that that's really yeah. interesting yeah so um I mean, my, the only expenses I really had when it came to the property was a solicitors um so the conveyancing mm-hmm. um and also I got my own structural building uh, surveyor because okay. with council flats, you know, sometimes there are problems, not only council flats, but, you know. <laughs> it's definitely better to be safe than sorry, yeah. especially if you're buying it, because then now you have that responsibility. Yeah, because before, if there was any problem, you know, boiler not working and things like that, I could just call the repairs hotline and someone would turn up, you know. So all those things, um, you know, I had a few kind of issues in the kitchen with um, leaking and things like that. So. I did think it was important to fork out for that. You know, yeah. knowing that I didn't have to find a deposit and everything, I thought that is me... that in itself is amazing. If you live in a council flat and you have that right, you better exercise it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I have had problems before with a leak in the kitchen, and I think watching the news and seeing all these people having problems with that cladding on the building, mm, yeah. you know. Now for me, it, I needed that peace of mind before I was going to make this big decision. Yeah, especially um, being a solo buyer as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I, I did actually uh, pay for a, an independent building surveyor because I just thought he doesn't have anyone's interest really. Um, you know, the, kind of the bank, they send their own surveyor and then the council, the heat or housing association, they send their own surveyors, but it's kind of a basic survey mm-hmm. and it's not always in your best interest. But if you get yeah. your independent one that you're paying for, you know, they're, they're just going to tell you how it is. You, you can know. expect it to be more impartial and in depth exactly. as well. Yeah. For, yes. So, um, yeah, so I had that done. Uh, that gave me a bit of peace of mind. And then a few other things came up um relating to asbestos and you know this and that so I've had to learn quite a lot in a short space of time 
but luckily because I was working from home, I could make appointments during my lunch break, you know, and um, it was it was just good to be present because I think yeah. if I would have done this buying process while I would be kind of working nine to five Monday to Friday in the office, I think everything would be rushed and I would yeah. just this is you know this is long let me yeah let me just buy it you know but mm. I've had I've had a time to do research because I, I applied to buy it for at least to know what they would sell it to me for in October 2020 and I didn't complete till June 2021 so I've took all that time mm-hmm. to get everything sorted and to you know be sure yeah this that I really want to go ahead with this you know, so um, yeah, I've learned quite a bit um, about property in a meantime. I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, and I think another maybe like limiting belief before was, um, I mean, I'm 40 plus, and you know, I thought to myself, I miss, I've missed a boat to get on a property ladder. Uh, that's what I was telling myself mm-hmm. until you know I started speaking to the people that were even older than me that were just getting their foot on the ladder. You know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was, uh, I must say it was actually quite a straightforward process because remember, I didn't have to move either. I was already occupying the flat that I live in. So the property I was buying, I already lived there. Which so is that great because you don't have that stress of moving or that added yeah. cost of moving too. That's what I mean. So it was literally, um, I must say it was straightforward. Um, so yeah, if if there's anyone listening that has considered getting on a property ladder and you are you know, still in a council property, um, I would say just look into it. You know, even if you look into it and you get your valuation and everything, you can, you can still pull out if you don't want to. But, you know, some way, somehow, a little bird has whispered in my ear that, you know, right to buy could be a thing of the past, you know, in the future. You know, so if it is... Which wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that everyone should buy a property, I'm just saying that if it's something you thought about, but you're kind of scared to do or worried about it, educate yourself on it and, you know, speak to your local authority, get, you know, get evaluation. It doesn't mean you're held to anything. You can say no if you don't want it. But yeah. I think being the no, instead and of later explore thinking, your options. Yeah. Instead of later thinking, what if, what if, what if? That is a really good point. What was, I actually had a question that I wanted to ask you. I've forgotten it now. Um, actually I've definitely learned something from you sharing your journey I didn't know that if you were buying a council property that you lived in you didn't actually need to give a deposit no wow yeah that that is that is amazing because for a lot of people that is what stops you you feel like oh I'm not going to be able to say with this deposit it's so impossible Mm. so the fact that you don't even need one like yeah I must say it does depend on how long you've been living in your property because the longer you've lived there the more discount you get Mm. so um, you have to live um, I believe it still is. Uh, is it five years? Well, I think it's uh, three years some places, but okay. um, but I think because I've I've lived here for you know, since two thousand four actually. Wow. <laughs> you know, so you know, for me, I you know, there, there's bans in how much discount you get, and once it's I think past a decade, you know, I mean, I got the maximum amount of discount, but it doesn't mean that everyone would. But if you've yeah. been living in your council property a long time, you know, these things you can even find on the gov.uk website. You literally mm-hmm. just put in right to buy, you know, and there's even a form available that you can complete and send to your council. And then you just get a letter back with your valuation, you know, yeah. and everything. And it will explain how much discount you can expect uh, to get. 
and wow. you know and that is just seen as a deposit so yeah it was that is amazing what was mm. the discount that you were able to get because you said that's the maximum isn't it yeah uh, literally over 100 grand discount wow that is a very significant discount <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing and you know what even though before you said that you felt like being you know in your 40s and just getting on the property ladder it felt like you missed the boat but even now that you've been able to even get this discount in some ways it's almost like you're catching up yes because if you no think about it in that way that hundred thousand pounds would take a couple of years to pay off so you've pretty much you know you've, you've caught up on yourself if you think about it that way yeah so no, it's amazing true. yeah maybe I haven't said that I had it was I think some time ago is it now is it maybe 10 years ago there was a one point that I had actually inquired about buying the property that I live in before mm-hmm. I pulled out you know just you know fear and circumstances at the time yeah but if I had bought it at that time it would have been even it would have actually been like the the valuation I got now compared to 10 years ago okay so so yeah obviously it was a great discount but if I'd bought it you know 10 years ago (laughs) it would even be better (laughs) yeah true that makes sense because you know the the price will increase definitely and again like you said the mindset you had at that time versus now is not the same exactly so again you may have bought it but then because of that mindset you had you just you know then maybe later regret it but now that you're in this space where you've matured financially you have a greater understanding now now's the time yeah this was definitely the right time (laughs) yeah that's amazing um did having debt affect your property journey in any way luckily not um because I mean when I started rapidly paying off my debt I hadn't at all considered yet definitely buying my property it was somewhere in my head but Mm. because my main um my main plan was just to clear this debt you know by the time I decided I was going to buy the property I'd cleared quite a significant amount of debt already so that also increased my credit score which is great obviously for a mortgage yeah so for me I think when I did finally decide um, or move more towards, yes, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy this property. That motivated me even more to pay more and more debt off because I thought to myself, by the time I'm paying my mortgage, I don't want to have this high interest debt that I'm paying. I just Mm -hmm. want to focus on my mortgage and start investing because obviously if I started investing when I was 20, (laughs) but, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s. So again, catching up to do. Yeah. You know, so I think um, in in a way it's been good because, you know, m- me, that force of buying my property, it kind of gave me something to work towards. It was literally any extra penny I could get my hand on, it would go straight towards my debt. And it kind of gave me a kick up the backside to just take on more side hustles. Even when I, you know, don't get me wrong, side hustles are great, but I didn't always feel like it because I do also work full-time Monday to Friday. Yeah. And I do have so a challenge. Yeah, so I do have a demanding job as well. But I was just so kind of strict with myself. And I just said, look, if you want to reach this, it's temporarily, you know, maybe some of the side hustles you won't have to do anymore. But, you know, I just wanted to rapidly get that debt down. I'm, you know, I'm not even fully out of the debt yet. I've still got five and a half grand left to pay. Um. And, you know, the aim is that that's gone by the end of this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, how can I say, it's, 
I've done something as well that I've not really heard much um, in the finance, personal finance space on you know various social media platforms and things. But um, maybe it's a bit OCD, but I also like paying off using rounded numbers. So if, for example, you know, recently I had, I think it was 5562.50, you know, left mm-hmm. to pay. And I had to just get that 6250 out of the way because I just wanted to see 5500. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. what you mean. <laughs> I think I'd be the same, to be honest. I like yeah. to just make sure it's a collect. Even when I'm doing my bills, if it's, say, 2750, I'll just say it's 28 pounds that the bill is. Because I'd rather yeah. it just to be an even number, it's squared off. And even if I'm, even though I'm rounding it up, at least there should be something extra anyway. So yeah, yeah I'm with you on that one. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, so it didn't affect um, me buying the property because I think by the time I'd made the decision, I'd already cleared quite a chunk. Amount. Yeah, yeah um, more than yeah. half. So that's, yeah. that's amazing. You should be proud of yeah. yourself. Yeah, so that, and as I said, my credit rating had uh, kind of skyrocketed as well, which obviously is great if you're looking for a good mortgage deal. So yeah. luckily it did not affect my mortgage application. I think if I had, if the debt was still higher, I would have just put it on hold because mm. I know a lot of people have been uh, running, you know, to take advantage of the um, stamp duty ho- holiday. But yeah. luckily the value of my flat didn't, uh, you know whether there was a stamp duty holiday or not I wouldn't have to pay the stamp duty anyway on this mm-hmm. first because it wasn't above the threshold you know so oh, there was no me really so I just yeah. you know I just wanted to reach a certain goal before I even thought about definitely going ahead with it so yeah luckily it didn't affect it oh that's amazing honestly your story is so inspiring to know as well especially for those that may be listening that may be a bit more mature and you may feel like, oh, I've passed a certain age now. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. as long as you're alive, there's still an opportunity for you to change the situation. And I do yep. feel like sometimes people get discouraged because they feel like, oh, but I'm older. But you've got, you can still do it. You know, you just like what you said, you had to set your mind to it. You had to be disciplined. And as a result, you were able to kind of make the progress you've been able to make so far. So my yeah. next question for you, as we kind of round up is, what would be Tasha's top finance tips for anyone that, you know, wants to start taking their finances seriously? So maybe they do find themselves in debt or maybe you're not in debt, but you're not happy with your financial position. Maybe you've got minimal savings or you just kind of find you keep going back into the same cycle, which is something a lot of people struggle with. What would be like, let's say your top three tips of what someone could do to start changing the patterns that they've been living? Yes, I definitely think um, do an overhaul of your finances is the first step to, to make is to face your financial situation. And trust me, it's not going to be easy. There might be tears even when you do that. Mm-hmm. But um, I would suggest, well, luckily, I only um, had one bank account at a time. So it's quite easy to just log in, make a list of your direct debits and, you know, then look at those direct debits. What is it that you're actually paying? Um, you're going to notice certain things that you're paying that you might not use, such as subscriptions. Or you don't even know what it is. You're like, oh, well, what's yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know what it is because it's so easy to these days online to, you know, sign up to something, you know, you forget to cancel it. Or sometimes you've signed up through PayPal. You know, you, you just can't remember what's what. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely would say one of the tips is to revamp your finances. And in that way is, you know, cancel things you're no longer using and even certain things that you are using. Do you need it? Do you really need it? Or is it a want or is it just easy? 
Um, I mean, I, I literally went so-called Turkey, I even cancelled Amazon Prime, you know, for a wow. while. You know, it was literally, I just didn't, I just wanted less things coming out of my account. Mm-hmm. I just thought, do you really need something you order from Amazon tomorrow or can you wait two or three days for it to come? Why do you need it tomorrow? <laughs> that <laughs> is know? a good point. Yeah, so... I mean, I am back on Amazon Prime, but um, what I did is, uh, you know, I've got two children that are kind of, well, they're young adults, as I said, daughter 18, son 17. And because they're students, they can actually get um, a much cheaper Amazon Prime deal. So when they sign up, I think it's six months for free. And then afterwards, it's like three or four ninety nine a month instead of seven ninety nine. you know. So it doesn't think- seem like a lot, but across the year, it adds up. Yeah, it definitely does. So I think it's just literally dissecting your um, outgoings, you know, cancelling things that you don't use or don't need now. You can always go back to them later. I've recently re-signed back up to Audible, which had cancelled. But yeah, it's time now to start listening to some books again, you know. Mm -hmm. Rewarding yourself. um, Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's things like changing energy providers like comparing prices on your energy providers um what's that luckily my mobile phone contract was um up for renewal so I went to a sim only deal you know I'm in the sim only club I don't regret it yeah I I literally was you know at one point I think I was um well I was paying for all three of us so for me and my two kids and I think the mobile phone bill for, for across the free contracts came to just over 120 pounds a month wow the loss of money um you know so uh yeah it was it's just doing things like that you know what can you do for that amount to be reduced also your car insurance first of all do you still need your car do you use it <laughs> can you afford the car that's the real yeah. question exactly. because a lot of people have cars they can't afford yeah so um I decided to keep my car as uh well the car I have is a 2005 Vauxhall Corsa so you know it's, it's actually really cheap to run um and uh because I was doing Amazon Flex as a bit of a side hustle during the lockdown period I needed my car to deliver packages you know so- oh, I've never actually heard it talk a little bit more about Amazon Flex I've never heard of it yeah so you know you can just uh I live very close to an Amazon depot okay um, and um you know you can just sign up to as and when you're available to mm-hmm. pick like slots it's normally two hour slots that you pick and okay. you can use your own car then to deliver packages I don't do that anymore but that was one of the side hustles I did because for me it was just like look you know just you just need an extra income an additional mm. stream so I was happy to just do that, you know, alongside my job. I, you know, I would work and then afterwards I would jump in my car and go and deliver packages. So, um, yeah, very much, yeah, the revamp of your finances um, and definitely cutting down on things. Look at, dissect everything and see whether you can either scrap it or if you can reduce it, you know, just kind of just do research on it as well. Money Saving Expert website is really good um that's kind of where I learned a lot about you know revamping my finances and you know comparing and using cashback websites for every single thing even just mm-hmm. to it you know um, <laughs> in the meantime I've, I think using cashback websites I've got about I've saved about well not saved I've, I've got back about 400 pounds you know for that but it's wow. been over the years. it's been over the years though you know mm-hmm. not not just yesterday um and I think um, another 
thing is uh, definitely increasing your income and it doesn't have to be anything complicated just like I said the Amazon flex that I was doing it was temporarily um, look at the skills that you've got you know I can braid hair so I started braiding hair as well as a side hustle um, but mm-hmm. only for, only for kids because they, they have they have smaller heads it's quicker and it's quicker <laughs> So I do, I, I do do that as well, um, you know, and kind of that extra, that money that you're saving after you've revamped your finances. And then if you have an additional stream or a few additional streams of income, you know, you you just start seeing, oh, actually, you know, I've been wasting. So you can actually work out how much money you've actually been wasting, been going down the drain, you know, gym yeah. memberships. And maybe you've only gone to the gym three times since you signed up. But you forget to cancel the direct debit. So yeah, mm. number one tip would definitely be revamp your finances, face it. It's not going to be easy. Um, you know, you'll look at that piece of paper and you'll see your tears drop, but you have to face it before you can actually do something about it. Um, I've obviously said side hustles as well. Um, and I would just say as well, uh, for shopping, make sure you uh, do a shopping list. Um, I always didn't really like to do meal planning because I thought that what if I don't feel like that on Wednesday and I've planned that I'm going to have that on Wednesday. But to be honest, it works really well. Um, if you just, you can actually switch the days around, you know, you can maybe have a meal plan for this, having this Monday, this Tuesday, this Wednesday. But if you don't feel like that on Wednesday, you can have what you was going to make on Thursday and just switch it around. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, just, um, it's very important to you know, shop with a shopping list. So I used to go shopping, and I would just think, yeah, we need that. Yeah, we need that. We need that. And very often I would come home realizing I've already got potatoes. I've already got tomato ketchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Already got those chopped tomatoes. Got a million of them now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then obviously you end up wasting because those things can go off as well. Um, yeah, it's very, so very perishable. Um, so very, yeah, definitely also you know shopping lists um, and things like that. And um, yeah, I can't. I won't really go too much into investing because I haven't started doing it yet. Even though, um, in my kind of professional career life, I have learned about um, investment. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the next step for me. Really, um, I'm kind of now umming and ahhing whether I should just wait till that five and a half grand I've got left is cleared, or whether I should just start investing now, even if it's small amounts. And something is drawing me to just start investing with smaller amounts now so that I can kind of get a feel for it, get the swing of it, learn a bit more yeah. about waiting till the end of the year when my debt's gone. My I do just... agree with you. Because yeah. again, even if it's just a small amount, it's still it's good for you to also see how that small amount is going to grow within the next couple of months and really just kind of build a feel for it and understand a bit more. Yeah, no, definitely. Again, you don't need to start with a lot. You need to start with something small. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I, I would say maybe final thing, um, talk about your finances obviously you know you don't want to obviously tell the whole world or shout it off the rooftops but um, be around people that are on a similar journey as you you know and talk to them you can um, kind of you know uh, bounce off each other's ideas and things like that Uh, you know educate yourself and you know it does keep you motivated I think you know when I started my Instagram page um, documenting started I actually started on the 1st of January, 2021. Wow, really? I did. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, so what actually happened is um, 
you know, as I'm documenting my debt journey on there, it also made me feel accountable. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like if I don't carry on with this, I'm letting people down. Don't get me wrong. Also, I would be letting myself down. But I get, I just feel so supported. And, you know, people are saying, oh, they feel inspired about, you know, doing it. So it does keep you going because, you know, being on your debt journey can sometimes be quite a lonely feeling. And feel very isolating. Yeah, you can feel isolated. Um, you know, I've, over the years, on and off dealt with depression as well. And I know a lot of it has come from uh, money worries, um, you know, and just kind of always kind of struggling, you know, being yeah. on that go around. So um, community is really important, I believe. Um, you know, there's, there's even kind of YouTubers I've been watching. And even though some of, I've actually recently met uh, two of them uh, in person. Um, so that, that was really great. But you kind of get to know them, even though you don't know them maybe personally. So, you know, it's mm-hmm, I know like, you mean. yeah, and just to know that other people have gone through what you've gone through too, that you're not on your own. I, I definitely think that really helps as well. Because, um, you know, you can feel quite lonely and like you're the only one on earth that's dealing with it. But if you see sometimes, you know, what other people are going through, sometimes you can even look and say, oh, you know, I know that my situation's bad, but actually, yeah Yeah. and it's not about comparing but you know it just helps you sometimes understand you're not the only one yeah and I think it does help to put things into perspective as well yeah no definitely (laughs) very very nice some great tips I really love the first one about taking that time to revamp because a lot of the time that's what most people don't do I remember when I decided to kind of get better with my money thankfully I wasn't in debt but I saw that I was really in that payday cycle Money was coming and money is very easy to spend. You might say to yourself, oh, when I start earning 2000 then I'll start getting better. But when you get that 2000 mm. <laughs> then you're going to start spending more if you've yeah. not actually put things in place. And, you know, even now throughout this last year, as our income has increased, it's like for every increase, we're planning, OK, with this, we're going to start doing this, this and this. Whereas before we never did that. It was like increase. OK, great. You know, just live in life. And I've definitely seen for myself the advantages of actually planning and properly managing your money, budgeting. That was well, never in my vocabulary at all. But now that's something I do. I actually enjoy it. <laughs> you know, well, I really do. I mean, when I go to my Monzo pots, I'm not saying there's loads in there at the moment, um, because, I mean, there's something that might slow me down a little bit on my journey. My daughter is going to university next month. Um, and you know, anyone that's dealt with student finance will know that if you, you know, they look at your income as a parent as well. So mm-hmm. my daughter's not going to be receiving the full student maintenance amount. Okay. So, um, you know, so Martin you need Lewis, to be able to support yeah, that too. Yeah, Martin Lewis always says that they don't necessarily stipulate it, but that there's an expectation that your parents are going to contribute. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's the only thing that kind of has made me think, oh, will I actually clear that five grand before the end of the year? Because obviously, you know, I'm not going to let that stop my daughter from going to uni. I mean, she's got a job at the moment, but because she's moving away from the city, she's going to have to find another job. So until she finds another job, you know, obviously, you know, I'm going to be helping her, you know, yeah. so yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, it's just, it's been nice because I have saved, um, you know, an amount that I've literally called her student funds, you know, my daughter. Oh, you know, that's lovely. Yeah. So at least I know that in the in the very beginning, you know, she's going to be okay. And it also won't hurt my pocket because I've already put it aside. 
Mm, I love that. And that, that's definitely something I've learned with managing my money is planning ahead. So even now when I'm looking into, for example, September, when I've already been planning that September budget from like two months ago, I'm already thinking about what things are happening in September. What about, okay, I've got birthday coming up. I've got my anniversary coming up. So that means we're going to spend more money. So even yeah. just looking ahead, that helps you so much because sometimes when you're just caught by, oh my gosh, it's this birthday or Christmas is next month. And then you just start spending money you don't have, but planning ahead is so helpful because you can already start seeing those pitfalls that could potentially come. And just yeah. by taking that time to actually plan and check what you're spending, that's another thing as well. Because you might take time to set the budget, but if you're not actually tracking your spending, it's very easy for you to be spending off tangent. So those little mm. things definitely helped me on my journey to managing my money better. My last no, you, question for you. Yeah. So we're going to say something. No, I was just saying it just makes you feel more calm when you plan ahead. Definitely. Uh, and mind control. Yes, it's, it's and, a nice feeling. and it removes that fear of checking what's in your account. <laughs> I remember there was a time I used to be so scared. It's like, I don't want to see it. Because when you check that balance, it puts you back into reality. So yeah. even with that as well, I think it's really, really good for your financial self-care. We like to talk about self- that's self-care too. Managing your money properly mm-hmm. is self-care. Because Absolutely. even like what you were saying before, at times when you had depression, a lot of it was linked to money worries that you had. So even with avoiding, you know, getting yourself into those situations, it even helps you as well with your mental health. So that's Absolutely. definitely something to think about. Yeah. My question for you. Um, so obviously throughout all the experiences that you've gone through with your finances, is there anything that you're like intentionally doing to teach your children about how they should be managing their money? Yes, um, I've actually got an example. Um, so uh, my 18 year old daughter um, wanted to buy Balenciaga's. Oh, yeah, they, they like the expensive stuff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Balenciaga's um, cost just under £500. And because I've been on this kind of debt journey and educating, um, you know, I've been sharing kind of content. I've been watching with them as well. And instead of buying the Balenciaga's, she opened an investment ISA. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the minimum amount to open that uh, with that particular provider is £500. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just happy that I managed to, um, I didn't force her because, you know, by law, she's 18. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was just nice to feel like I'm leading by example and I'm changing a narrative. I mean, she's yeah. 18. When I was 18, I took out my first loan. And now my daughter's 18 and she's opening investment eyes. So I think that, that was is... That- that is amazing that's testament to you breaking the cycle that is amazing yeah I must say for with regards to my son maybe boys is taking a little bit longer to sink in but um yeah he's obviously seen it around him so yeah Mm. I'm sure he'll catch up soon as well on uh, definitely I think once you've set and you set the tone for something and you've built that culture of even just talking about money I think what happens for a lot of people is because you don't talk about it there's a shame factor you know yeah. so maybe when you are struggling or you do make a bad decision you don't tell anyone because you're embarrassed so I think it's yeah. good when you kind of normalize having those conversations or even sharing your wins with your children as well I'm sure that that will help them to see like wow like mom no definitely mom did really yeah. well you know yeah I mean it's only um of late that I've uh, you know when I've kind of started get being on this journey because I remember uh, when I told the kids you know that I'm in debt you know my, my daughter asked me so how much you're in debt mom and at the time I was, well, 17 grand. And as I said, that wasn't including the overdraft. So 
I lied to her. I literally said seven grand because wow. I, I, just, I just couldn't bring it, to, you know, to tell her 17. And I, you know, after I think a couple of months, I actually, you know, apologized to her. I said, look, I've, you know, I didn't tell the truth. It's actually 17. Wow. You know, and now that it's down to five and a half, she's even like, mom, remember when you said seven, you're even, you know, below this, the, the amount that you lied about. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, but it's profound. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just being very open now with my kids. Um, yeah. And I think that's really important as well for parents to be transparent with your children. One thing that I really do appreciate with my mom, and now that I'm an adult and now I'm adulting, I really do appreciate that. She was always very transparent when it came to money. It's like, if she needs to cut back, she let us know, yeah, we need to cut back. So the sky is going because I need to save for this, this, this. And I can definitely say that even though there was a time I was earning more than my mom, but she always had money and I never had it because again, she used to manage her money properly. She would budget, she would save, even if it was a small amount. So there's a lot of things that I learned from her. And even though in the beginning, I didn't follow it. Now that I'm older and I look back, I'm like, Do you know what? It's so good to have that transparency because it makes you realize that money really doesn't grow on trees. You know, you've got to work for it and you have to be intentional in how you manage your money too. Because yeah. otherwise, it's just going to be going and you're wondering where is it going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's it. And uh, that's how it has been for me for kind of, you know, over the last two decades. But it just, uh, it's made me a more calm person, just feeling more in control. Um, you know, it, it gives my head space as well to think about other things and other dreams and aspirations, because it's not just consumed by, you know, this depth, 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 depth. Mm, and that survival. Now you yeah. can actually think about the life that you want to build for yourself. And honestly, Tasha, you should be very, very proud of yourself. I'm so inspired by your story. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait for you to get to that debt-free date and, you know, to be able to be like, okay, you've broken the cycle now and we're not going back. <laughs> we're not going back through this again. But honestly, that is really inspiring. I've learned a lot from speaking with you two as well that I didn't know before. And I'm, I'm sure that those you. of you that are listening will be able to I'm sure you've learned some things too. So definitely let us know how you found today's show. You know, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and leave a review. And thank you for joining me, Tasha. Do you have any last words as we wrap up today's episode? I just wanted to say thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I've been following your page for quite some time. Um, you've definitely also inspired me when it comes to my debt journey. Um, oh, thank you. You know, a lot of your posts and videos that I've saved as well. Um, you know, that I go back, you know, even if I've watched it, sometimes I think to myself, oh, I just wanted to go back and hear that again. And I just go back. Oh, that means so much. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say thank you as well for being an inspiration. And yeah, just always having that smile on your face. You know, the, the, you know, during this time, there's been times where you still can feel a bit meh. But then mm. sometimes I see then one of your videos come up in your big smile. It just makes me think, oh, yeah. Let's just be happy. Oh, Natasha wants me to cry on the podcast, everyone. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Honestly, that means a lot. As someone who creates content, it, it's not easy. And sometimes it's like you create something and you're like, oh, is this even having any effect on anyone? So to know that it has inspired you, it's, it's amazing to hear. No, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. But yeah, thank you for joining us. And also I will leave Tasha's um, Instagram handle in the show notes. So do give her a follow. I absolutely love her page. It's really refreshing. And also you can follow her on her debt-free journey as well. So definitely check out her page and give her a follow. And thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your week. And I'll be back with you next Thursday.